This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, July the 21st, 2021, and it is interview day. And I have a guy for you today that I have to tell you. When I first got his interview request, I almost didn't. Uh, sent it forward to have him booked. And it wasn't the subject. It was when I first kind of looked at the branding, I thought maybe this is like info marketer stuff or something like that. But then I listened to him talk. I listened to a couple of his interviews because he was switched on enough to make sure he sent some material like that for me to listen to. And he made so much sense. I'm like, I not only am I going to bring this guy on, I've got to bring this guy on to talk to my audience. His name is Jason Kristoff. And today we're going to talk about mind control and brainwashing. And while I don't completely buy into 100% of the way he presents it, the totality in which it's presented, I'm 98% there. And for me to get 98% with anybody, you know you know, that means we have to really be speaking the same language. This is an incredibly valuable discussion. Uh, it went about an hour and 20 minutes. Most of my interviews go 45 to 50 minutes. When they go that long, you know that it's good stuff, and you're going to really enjoy today's interview, and I think it will be very helpful to a lot of you. And you might be like, where has this guy been? Like, this guy should have been around TSP a long time ago. And before I bring Jason on, let's go ahead and recognize our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one is Western Botanicals. You'll even hear me and Jason talk a little bit about herbs today. Um, I believe that herbs are one of creation's gift to us as, as human beings. There is so much that we can do to rebalance our bodies, to care for things, especially with chronic long-term things versus like an acute injury. You know, if I if I get in a car wreck and I have like a shit gear shifter in my spleen, I want to go to a surgeon. If I have an achy back, I want to go first to herbal remedies. I want to try to correct the imbalance. And the problem with herbal uh, remedies, alternative health in general, is there's so much snake oil sales going on in this world. When I found West Western Botanicals, I found a real partner that really cared, that walked the line the right way, that never made any claims that were untrue, that it was very important to them to always present things as what they were, to always stay in the line of reality with real people that really cared about my customers that would answer the phone and take care of your customer service needs. To learn more, go to westernbotanicals.com. Next up, as you guys know, probably my number one ideal, the thing that means more to me than anything else, because I think everything else is meaningless without it, is liberty. It is the, the, the virtue above which I hold all others, is freedom and liberty. And so when I met the folks that are part of the Free State Project in New Hampshire, I knew I'd met kindred spirits. And I've worked with them one way or another since 2010. This is 2021. That's 11 years that we've worked with the Free State Project. Um, I've spoken at their events. I really believe in the work that they do. So when they asked to sponsor the show, of course, I was happy to have them on board as a sponsor. And you can learn more about them by taking a vacation. 
Yes, by taking a vacation to the beautiful state of New Hampshire. Go to fsp.org forward slash visit NH to learn more. And with that, let's go ahead and dig into this. This is a deep topic. Uh, it's my good pleasure now to introduce our special guest today. His name is Jason Kristoff. He is a self-described self-sabotage expert who also runs an international self-sabotage coaching school. And he discovered many years ago that there's manipulative psychology and behavior modification, brainwashing, mental conditioning, and mind control. And that's continually weaponized against the public by media and government. I told you, you're going to say to yourself, why hasn't this guy been around here before? Uh, he's perfect for what we talk about on a daily basis. And with that, hey, Jason, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Jack. I appreciate the invitation. Hey, I've got you on to talk about some stuff we've been talking about a lot lately. In fact, we talked about it enough over the past year. I'm kind of surprised I haven't been deplatformed from iTunes yet. But we're going to talk about mind control in general, plus like specifically digging into it during the COVID agenda, media brainwashing tactics. I mean, stuff that's right in the wheelhouse of TSP. Before we do that, though, just so the audience can kind of connect with with who you are, like take us back to like your, I know you're spacing out in school or something, trying to figure out what you want to do in your life, and how do you end up in a world that you are, which is helping to coach people out of this type of self sabotage and mind control, and using these same techniques to positively program themselves for success. Well, I was your typical North American soulless meatbag at one time, and all I wanted to do was have have a great time at the expense of myself, of course. And, I mean, I went to McGill University, which is Canada's top university here in, in Canada, and I was I didn't know it. I mean, I graduated uh, with pretty good marks. I started my own independent business right away, but I was infected with these mind viruses that I sort of clean from people's psyche right now as a self-sabotage coach. And the most dangerous thing about being infected with these mind viruses is if you're infected with these belief systems sort of founded in self-hate and self-loathing and self-sadism, and you start a good business or come over, come into a large amount of money, you just find bigger guns and load bigger bullets and blow your head off to a great, greater extent. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that at 24 years old, coming into a good amount of financial prosperity with my business. And by the time I, I was 29, I was almost dead. And I had, I couldn't walk at 29 years old. Even though I owned a fitness club and looked healthy, um, I had trouble walking. I was use, uh, losing the use of my left leg. And I phoned Paul Check. It's a Czech practitioner um, in the Czech Institute, uh, San Diego, California. And they sent me their best practitioner. Now, she knew coming in that I wasn't really sick. I was just infected with these mind viruses, things that weren't serving me. And because I kind of found safety in the bigger herd, I had a hard time letting them go, even though they were destroying me, because the majority of people were acting like this as well. So she sort of defragmented my hard drive. I was very uh, curious about how she she fixed my leg up in about 14 days. It was malfunctioning for the better part of a decade. And I was very interested in her healing modalities. And I went back to San Francisco, to California with her to study at the Czech Institute. And I came back. I thought I knew everything. I was making people high-end um, exercise programs and nutritional regimens. And then I found no one, no one was following any of it, even though there was lots of money being exchanged. The people I found were terrified 
to be their best. They were absolutely terrified. If they needed to lose 50 pounds, they'd lose 10 and then scurry back up to, you know, they gain an extra 15, even though they lost 10. No matter what the goal was, people were afraid of it. They were afraid of being their best. They're afraid of achieving. They're afraid of being successful. So I started to get into psychological manipulation, brainwashing, mind control, hypnosis, and I started to use those techniques against or kind of to the benefit of my clients without their conscious awareness. And I was able, actually able to program them to achieve their goals without me being even around. I didn't need to be their slave master anymore and whip them into shape. I programmed to whip them, uh, programmed them to whip themselves into shape. And at that point, I quit being a very high-end personal trainer, exercise coach, and nutrition coach, and simply became a self-sabotage coach, teaching people around the world how to use brainwashing in a very positive and empowering way. And so that's how I've come today to, I'm a self-sabotage coach. I no longer have time for one-on-one clients. I do run a self-sabotage coaching school for coaches, healers around the world, where I teach them how to do this with their clients, regardless of what sort of modality of healing they use. You know, you said something in that that I have a lot of affinity for, and I was in a totally different position at one time before I started doing this podcast, but it was, it's like the same, but different man in the words of Tommy Chong. I was a business consultant. That was one of many hats that I wore, but we, one of the companies that we had was a a marketing consulting agency and we would develop online marketing programs for large corporations. In fact, Donald Trump was one of my clients to, to give you like a space that we were operating in. We were not, it wasn't Bill's Tires or something like that. <laughs> and, and they were, and not that there's anything wrong with Bill's Tires, but I mean, just kind of setting the, the, the stage here, right? And we would go in and we would develop these, these plans and we would develop a very comprehensive plan the way you would develop a very comprehensive plan about it's what you eat, it's how you act, et cetera. And corporations would do the exact same thing. They would act as though that you had buy-in with it. They would go ahead and not do it or do half of it. And they do half of it and get half the results, and then they bitch. And, you're, you know, you're like, you're lucky you got half by doing half because the whole thing is, is a holistic integrated program. But they would keep paying you, and they wanted another plan. And they, they behaved in the exact same self-destructive cycle that you're talking about individuals doing. And a lot of these people, they didn't even have, like, okay, you can understand why you tell somebody, stop eating too much Twinkies, right? Well, they have to deny themselves Twinkies. So you can understand why that person might have a hard time letting go of their sugar and their cream or whatever. The person that you were working with at this level didn't even have to do it. All they had to do was go to some underling and say, take this and go do that. And they still behave that way. Do you see a similarity there, or am I just seeing a pattern where it doesn't exist? Oh, the, it's throughout society. And the number one self-sabotaging behavior is not health, it's wealth. Okay. So the, there's no surprise that you're seeing this. Now, uh, the reason this happens is because a very particular part of the brain called the subconscious mind. Now, the subconscious mind really loves you. That's the funny thing about it. It's very protective. It's in charge of your safety, security, and survival. And its its job is to sort of look out into the environment 
and assess what the majority is doing. And it, it, it has this massive and ferocious download capability. It has the ability, like you just gave a great speech, but you gave the speech with the conscious mind and it can handle 140 pieces of data a second. And you, every time you talk, it sounds brilliant. The subconscious can handle 11 million pieces of data a second, and it dedicates that massive processing capability to trying to figure out what most people believe, what most how they behave, and what ideas they hold. Now, the reason the subconscious does this is very simple. In psychology, I mean, the subconscious just people like other people that are like themselves. So this observational download jack is all about finding out what the herd is doing and then trying to get sort of comfortable or mimic or go along to get along with the herd. And this is all done outside your conscious awareness. So I'll give you sort of an example of this. Um, do you remember a movie in 2001 called Gone in 60 Seconds with Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage? Do you remember this movie? I remember its existence. I, yeah. It's not the type of thing that I generally pay attention to, but I do remember it being marketed, et cetera, and I, I know the basic concept of it. Yeah, so the, the thing about that movie, it was about car theft. Um, Nicolas Cage was an old retired car thief that was hauled out of retirement by a local bully in the neighborhood to steal some more cars, and there was 100 cars that have to be stolen. Now, the subconscious mind has been proven not to know the difference between screen time, real life, and imagined thought. And that's why when you go to the theater, if there's something scary, your heart beats faster or your hands start sweating or you might jump a little bit because the subconscious doesn't know that this is imaginary. And it believes that it's going to apply its protective adaptation of trying to fit in with whatever tribe it believes it's living in. And it does this sort of minute to minute. So while, you, while you're sitting in the movie theater, your subconscious actually believes you're, you're living in a car theft tribe because there's so many repetitions of car theft on the screen. It ranks really high inside the subconscious's ranking sort of protocol for actions for you to act out in order to fit into that tribe. And when this movie was released in, say, Burnaby, B.C., Canada, Car theft went up 70% in the first four days alone. And if you investigate when this movie was released, there was a massive planet-wide increase in car theft. And this is how the subconscious mind works. Outside your conscious awareness, there are you have a defensive adaptation of downloading environmental stimuli by which there's a part of your brain that's going to basically make a script out of the most repetitive stimuli, it's going to make that script and it's going to push it up to you to act, to act out. And this is all done outside your conscious awareness. Now, I'll give you another example, the Cosby Show. Uh, the Cosby Show, Mr. Huxtable, he was uh, Bill Cosby. He was an African-American medical doctor, Mr. Huxtable. His wife, Claire Huxtable, was um, a lawyer. A lawyer. And during the nine-year run of the Cosby Show, African-American enrollment in law school and medical school went up 19%, and they called that the Cosby effect. Humans mimic, copy, emulate, and mirror exactly what they see when it's very repetitive. Now, that upregulation and mimicking of what's repetitive can be enhanced by fear, 
It can be enhanced by psychoactive substances like caffeine, alcohol, uh, narcotics. And so I hope people are starting to put together why we're getting so much illogical behavior in our society today where the, there are people in the positions of power over our media and they are controlling the repetitive content purposely engineering a hacking of the subconscious mind knowing its natural function is to mimic repetitive content in order for uh, to acquire safety in the bigger herd and the repetitive content is irrational it's illogical it is uh, you know self-sadistic it's fatalistic and this this isn't only happening now in our modern time this has been going on a very long time and that's what self-sabotage is about where the the reason your clients were self-sabotaging their financial success is the same reason my clients were sabotaging their health success is because the environmental stimuli that's repetitive in the environment is of low success and low achievement. It's it's a, a race to the bottom. It's per, our media influences are repetitively designed to be mediocre, which means we become programmed through that repetition to be afraid to be anything but mediocre ourselves. Even in places, no, it makes perfect sense. Even in places where people like have a lot of pride, like I, I work with some major brands and they had you know excellence as a corporate you know, underlying ethos, but they clearly didn't believe it. Now, this, before we move on, is just really more of a personal one-to-one -one question in this, because I think you and I may be of the similar cut of the cloth or something, and maybe a bit of an enigma in some ways. Did it make you effing miserable to take their money when they wouldn't do the thing that they were paying you for? Because people asked me how I could walk away from what I had, and I did it because I could not continue to take money from people who were paying me for something they were never going to use. Like, I, that disconnect for me, and that's not normal in our society. Maybe it should be, but most people would say, shit, you know, if they want to pay you for it and not do it, that's fine. It's not like they were quitting or something. They were, you know, here's another check. Here's another $20,000 retainer check. Yeah, it just means you're a moral, ethical person who's taking your proper rite of passage from a boy to a man. So th that's, that's why, and I, I had the same... I mean, that's what got me studying, doing the additional research to try and trick them into being better because doing the diet and the exercise wasn't working. So although they were paying me money, I would feel guilty. And that's very natural if you're a moral, ethical and just person who's basically what's in psychology. You've made a process called individuation where you started to invent your own core values and then reflect uh, what life was asking of you off your own core values. And if they weren't parallel with them, you would make an adjustment to try and keep achieving, keep being yeah. successful, keep being moral and ethical. And this rite of passage was an old, uh, in many ancient societies, they knew if the, the boy didn't become the man or the girl didn't become the woman, that the tribe was always in trouble because it was easy to invade and easy to take yeah. over. Yeah. Again, on, on that note, in, the, in that place, like those people that failed to make that transition after being tried enough, they were either, you know, excommunicated or executed. Like they, like they had to go. You didn't keep that person in your tribe at that time. And that, there's still societies today that work that way.
Yeah, that you would be, according to Paul Check, and he goes over, he's a master of uh, psychology as well, but they would murder those uh, adults in their sleep because you couldn't, <laughs> I call them proteins, professional lifelong teenagers. Okay. So, so I call them proteins, and proteins are very detrimental to the uh, sustainability of any society, and we can see that in effect today. But this isn't the fault of a lot of people because they don't know that they have a subconscious that mimics the repetitive content throughout all their environmental stimuli. And that's why the Adam Sandler movies and the Will Ferrell movies and every movie, even the cartoons, you know, the Peter Griffins and the Family Guy, Homer Simpson, men are portrayed as morons. Yeah, yeah. So it's very easy for a man to believe, you know, on a cellular level that, there's no need to grow up or that it's kind of okay to act in an immature and and youthful way long into their 50s or 60s, which you see. But, of course, all this have been, has been pre-planned by our social engineers because they're well aware of what destabilizes a tribe and what strengthens a tribe. Because i got to believe in, the, in, in that history that we're kind of alluding to here that th- th- this would have been a very unusual uh, a very small number of men would fail to make that jump uh, when they were being encouraged to. So they've taken the the anomaly and made it the majority. Uh, yeah, correct. I mean, in Sparta, they used to put the men outside the walls of the city for seven days, and that would force the psychological maturation stage known as individuation because you would have to think about where, how you're going to eat, how, how, where you're going to sleep, what's safe, what's not safe, when it used to be outsourced to the mother. So they would usually, uh, it, it, it was a break between mother and child so that the man, the boy could become an adult. And when, the reason most people bend to the bigger herd today is because they're afraid of the repercussions of the bigger herd. But if you have a real man, who has done the individuation and he's already slept outside the walls for seven days. There is no punishment Mm, greater than that. So if you disagree and someone says, well, I don't like you, you have to leave. He would be like, all right. Bye now. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, when you're talking about this, there's several different like indigenous cultures that I've, I've studied and there'll be like in one particular instance, there's an African indigenous culture that's still around, hasn't been stamped out yet. There'll be a point, I think the male is like 14 years is when this happens. And the men of the village will come for the boy. And they're like beating drums and shit. And the mother will always react the same way. She knows nothing's going to happen to them. This isn't one of these ritualistic cultures where they like hang them from hooks or something like that. They basically take them out. It's like kind of a bachelor group. And then they do kind of leave them on their own for a while and then they come back. And it's, it's, you know, it would be very exceedingly rare for anything really bad to happen to this, this young man. But the mother reacts in fear because the boy's leaving. And while the person's coming back, the boy isn't. And she's right. losing that. And, and, and like I think that that natural inclination there is also part of the problem. We have parents now, and it's not just women. It's men that never did so, and they're holding this child into childhood longer for their own Emotional. I'm gonna say for their own benefit, because it's not to their benefit, but to their own emotional uh, need for it, like this unhealthy need to keep this child in an immature state, even though they're long past able to see to themselves. Yeah, that's a hundred percent guarantee. Because you, 
a lot of that's why a lot of men today are failing to make that individuation transition is because they're always being care if you if you're not out in the world and being challenged to make decisions on your own and you're already always getting hand fed your resources for survival you can never make the individuation transition from boy to man and parents today have been part and parcel of this they thinking they're doing a great job by sheltering their children but they're producing a society of non-leaders and sort of weakened beta males that are easily pushed around by tyrannical authority and that's why the tribe is in major trouble right now the uh, North American tribe and the European Union tribe and the Australian tribe. If we want half the world, let's just be like half the world at least, you know. Um, you know, and doesn't it make sense that we say, you know, like why do they, these people feel so entitled? If you were handed everything your whole life and then somebody said, well, this one thing you don't have, the government should provide you, isn't it completely reasonable in your undeveloped mind to think, oh, that makes perfect sense? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's hacking the subconscious mind too because we see – this as a repetition, a big repetitive theme in our society is when someone can't do for themselves, they give up right away and they yeah. have their hand out for the government. Reminds me of this meme I, <laughs> this meme I saw when the uh, dad is sort of lording over the child and he says, what's the magic word? And the child says, I'm offended. I'm offended. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, what it makes me think of is the difference in how we handle this stuff. Now, I remember when I was a little kid. And I was trying to build a ramp for my bike, which, first of all, they didn't call out the, 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 the safety police to stop. But I had a, a crosscut saw, and I'm trying to cut a two-by-four in the garage, and I'm just frustrated as shit. I was like eight years old. I didn't know how it worked, and I didn't understand what a curve was and all that. I'm just fighting the saw, fighting the saw. Well, my grandfather comes out. What's the matter? So I show him, and I'm like red-faced, ready to cry. He picks up the board and cuts it for me, Right. And, but he cuts it like in seconds because he knows how to use the saw. Do you do it like this? He cuts the board. He took it with him when he left and said, get a new board. He didn't let me have it. Right. But then I knew it was possible and I, I had a better idea and I still was frustrated as hell, but I didn't quit and I eventually built a ramp and skinned my face up and okay, I learned from it. Right. Like, and today it'd be like, well, honey, what do you, why do you have the saw? But first of all, why do you have a saw? Right. It's dangerous. Then, oh, my God, a ramp. Where's your ha helmet and your knee pad? Like, and we've gone this far really fast. I, I call myself old, but I'm 49. This is not ancient civilization here. This is the 1980s, for God's sakes. And the world is just not that place anymore. And it's not that all the stuff we're talking about wasn't going on back then. It's just been... I love it's been ramped up, or as it works more, they do it more. Like, it takes generations to actually go this far. It takes a long time, and there's a big, a big trend in the dependency. So you can see all of our systems are dependency systems. If we were to go back into the, the Cree or the Mohawk or the Ojibwe or the Navajo, the, 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 these powerful tribes – it, there was no dependency because they would be provided the water, the shelter, and the food by God or the Creator. So when you take that away, and this is how old this agenda was, is the people we're dealing with have sailed around the world, specifically targeting First Nation populations in order to drive them into a dependency state and also to drive us coming over into these lands, into cities, 
where the food, the shelter, and the water are controlled by a non-God force, a non-natural force. And this is, this is the dependency um, even in the job market. Like in the government schools, all they do is teach you how to write a resume. And it's people working nine to five, teaching kids how to work nine to five and fill out resumes. Successful business people who teach independence are not ever invited into the government schools to talk about independence and why it's important to have your own food source, your water source, um, solar, backup generator, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see how we, a lot of people are complying with the tyranny right now because they know they're dependent. Because if you study psychology, if you make someone dependent and they know they can't get out of the trap, they just capitulate and take a knee and they'll invent any excuse whatsoever to convince themselves that they're, they're logically thinking it through when they're only complying because they have no other options. I hope that makes a bit of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And one of the words we've used a few times here and is deeply used over and over again in your work that I've read and, and listened to is the term brainwashing. And I think that's the thing that people throw that word around without really understanding what it means. So what exactly, in your opinion, is brainwashing? Well, brainwashing is simply riding in on that. There's a, a highway, a road to the subconscious mind. And it's a very easy road to get on inside. You can kind of hack someone's mind, especially if they don't know they have one. The average person doesn't know about the subconscious pathway. They don't even know they have a subconscious and they don't have any idea how it works. So brainwashing is the implantation of ideas outside the person's, person's conscious awareness, simply using repetitive content to psychic drive the person into believing they've organ, organically came up with the idea when it's being manufactured, because that's what the subconscious mind does. It manufactures your beliefs in an attempt to find safety in the herd. It's not like the average person thinks things out logically and then comes up with the final conclusion based on, you know, the best information of all their life options. Their subconscious is in charge of 93 to 97% of our ideas, behaviors, and belief systems. And it literally puts them together in a factory sense based on the observations of the repetitive content that it takes them through the eyes and through the ears. Now, brainwashing and the implantation of ideas into someone's mind can be more quickly implanted if the person's in fear. Because when the person's in fear, the frontal lobe which is the part of the brain behind the forehead. It's the CEO of the brain. It's supposed to check things against logic and rational thought. It's supposed to double check if the behavior that you're going to act out is something that's going to benefit you long term or not. So fear shuts off the frontal lobe and activates what's called the fight or flight mechanism or, you know, what's called the limbic system. Sometimes it's called the R complex or the reptilian brain, or the hindbrain, and that is a non-thinking, reactive, primal part of the brainstem. So it is very prone to go with the herd, regardless of long-term consequences of making that decision. It's been shown that someone's in fear if they're outside a burning boat, and you throw them a life preserver, they'll grab the life preserver and come back into the boat, even though it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it's reactive, right? It's better than the the crazy situation you're in. And you can see how the agenda that we're in in contact with today is fear-based. And again, you can double up, 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 upregulate this mimicking and emulating, mirroring sort of um, process that your subconscious is known for if you infuse the person with caffeine or alcohol. Caffeine has proven the, one of the most effective ways to shut off the frontal lobe and trigger the limbic system without having sort of a physically fearful event because the body's terrified of caffeine on a metabolic chemical level because caffeine is registers as an alkaloid poison. I mean, that's what the coffee plant and many other plants use caffeine for is they use the caffeine to kill bugs that eat the plant leaves or it uses the coffee pods and releases the coffee pods in the periphery of the plant to kill, com, uh, kill competing foliage so that the coffee plant can eventually get access to more and more sunlight. So coffee and alcohol are sort of littered through our society as psychoactive substances that upregulate the ease of mind control. Now, this is all documented. You can even find it on the Internet, the CIA book for, for mind control and mind hacking. Caffeine's definitely in there. Fear's in there. Narcotics are in there. Alcohol is in there. So I, I know you have this as part of what you teach, and this is where I agree, but I don't to a degree. Like, I'm not really sure how to put it this way. So does this make this type of thing easier? Absolutely. I drink coffee. I have a drink on occasion. I'm probably more resistant to this than the 99% of society. So are you saying that any use of these substances whatsoever leads to mind control? Are you saying that heavy use of them in conjunction with all this shit and lack of awareness makes it easier? It, the, the secondary. Okay, cool. The latter. All right, we're cool then. And if anybody wants to find out sort of how caffeine, not just coffee, but, you know, pre-workout, energy drinks, yeah. uh, caffeinated teas, uh, pop, of course. All the stuff that's like artificially caffeinated actually concerns me a great deal more than a cup of coffee. Yeah, and you could read Caffeine Blues by Stephen Chernisky. Yeah, if, if that would be a great book uh, to have in the library for people to understand, um, you know, what caffeine does to the metabolism physically and also to the, the neurologically as well. OK, cool. So. Are brainwashing, mind control and behavior modification the same thing? Are they different things? They're more like something you have a Venn diagram for how they go together. To, to me, they're pretty much exactly the same. Behavior modification is, you know, getting uh, the repetition going, of course, but also giving reward for compliance and uh, punishment for a lack of compliance. And you can get people to comply to anything when you use these techniques. I mean, you can see in school they'll say, if you repeat that Christopher Columbus discovered America, <laughs> You know, you can get an A plus and, and there's a lot of other falsities that you will be given an A plus for. And then you'll and, and not only will you repeat that Christopher Columbus discovered America, you will be programmed in an insidious way that it's just safer to repeat what the authority figure is saying. And that, you know, because you're going to get the more you adhere to that, 
the more rewards or accolades or trophies or A-pluses, Smurf stamps and gold stars you're going to get. And, of course, medical doctors are are people that have been given, you know, process through the system and really have bitten in as hard as you can to work to to this reward for repeating for reward system, sort of tell the right lie at the, to the right person at the right time for the right wage. And this is, this is the actual schooling system. It's a system of reward for compliance. What I'm even more fascinated by is when it's not even that. It's a generally accepted thing that, that you didn't get a gold star or anything for it. How it will almost be like defended with outrage. So a classic example of that is, and, and I'm big on breaking myths, right? I like to break myths. I like it because it makes people rethink. But I've had people damn near get outraged when I point out, for instance, that the boiling frog analogy is based on bullshit. That if you put a frog in a pot and start to turn the temperature up slowly, the frog will try to get out of the pot because reptiles and amphibians thermal regulate, and anybody that's ever kept them knows this. And they will defend that with anger, indignancy, and outrage as though it actually matters to them. And I, I don't know about you. I never had that on a test in school. That's something you hear speakers use and stuff like that. But it's like once the person repeats the analogy, it becomes their own. They take possession of it, and they have a difficult time letting go of it. Right. Yeah, the, the reason, I mean, the reason for that is you destabilize them. Hmm. See, their beliefs give them the stability. And if you destabilize someone, you put them in a fear mode, which, again, goes to the limbic system. Cognitive dissonance, right? I mean, that's where you're going there. And they're going to, when your fight or flight turns on because you threatened their sense of security, the fight or flight is notorious for marking someone as the enemy. And if you're the only one around, you're going to be marked as the enemy. The fight or flight comes on and it wants to mark the enemy and start defending itself. Yeah, yeah, even though it's a completely irrelevant, like, it doesn't really matter other than you believe something, and every time you say it to somebody that knows you're wrong, you look bad, right? It doesn't really, like, your life will not change because you've been corrected on this thing, but yet you'll still defend it because the, 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 the biochemical thing behind it is the same as if it did matter. Yeah, and, and the more repetitive it is, the stronger that reaction. So, you know, people today, you, you see sort of heated battles between people who endorse the new medicine and, and others who don't. And you, you can see that destabilization, marking of the enemy, but the more repetitive one idea in the environment, this is how you can weaponize humans against each other simply by using language. You just repeat and repeat and repeat, and then you create a, a subsection of the society that doesn't want to repeat that, and then the majority, so they think is the majority, is weaponized against that other group. So it's very, very common for people with one ideology to be cemented in that ideology, and anybody that doesn't hold similar um, similar beliefs will be attacked. I mean, this is how tribal security is always accomplished as you, the, the brain is naturally designed to attack anybody that's not like you. Yeah, this is how people like myself get labeled a libtard and a right-wing nut job for saying the same thing on the same day. 
I don't see you as a lift. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, I, you know, you 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 actually don't uh, uh, root for. Uh, the government in some way, and that makes you a libtard, but it also makes you a right-wing lunatic because you think people can handle it for themselves. Like, that's mm-hmm. that, that's not to be accepted. It's anything that is counter to that belief system which they hold dear. Much If you're not one of us, you must be one of them, right? That's the mindset there. And, no, it happens all the time, dude. I, I, I get it all the time. It's, it's, it's comical, and it makes me feel like I actually do think for myself. And you can see that there's not a lot of people that want to take that rite of passage because people who are anarchists, which just means no uh, no ruler, it does mean rules, it just means no ruler. You can see people have been taken care of so long that they don't know how to go back to where God provided the water, God provided the mm-hmm. shelter, God provided the you know the food. So they they're thinking they're advanced human beings, but they're actually regressed to the to the state of an infant. They've been infanticized. Yeah, I mean you you were talking about first peoples, first nations, indigenous cultures earlier, and how they were very very self sufficient and. If we take out the romanticized crap about how everybody got along and everybody took care of everything and it was all perfect until we touched it, there was there was warfare and there was slavery and there was all this shit in there. But when we look, I've been doing a lot of research into ancient civilizations lately, and we had very warlike civilizations. We had very peaceful civilizations, but we had communal housing, right? And people will use that as, well, we should have communal housing. But what you were talking about earlier is so counter to that narrative that you should be provided a house – like if you were part of that 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 civilization, yes, some way in in all of those things that there would be a house built that would be built for you, right? However, you would be building other houses. Like you didn't just get stuff; you had to be an active participatory member in these societies. And just so you know, I don't know how much you know about us, but you are you are at anarchist ground zero right now. Like this is home of the anarchists of the world. Um, and to me, that was a very the, – the, the more peaceful those societies and civilizations are from the archaeological record, the more research I do into them, the more flat they are and the more they seem like anarcho-societies, which I don't have to explain to you because you just said it. Plenty of rules, but no rulers. Yeah, uh, correct. And you, it's, I give the analogy of imagine in the body there's a set of cells saying – I want you to feed me, I want you to take away my waste, but I'm not going to produce any sort of metabolic benefit for inside the system. So how is how is a society or a body supposed to survive like that? How is it supposed to survive where people sit on their couches playing video games, mm. smoking weed, where they want the government to feed them and change their diaper? <laughs> and, and That's they, coming next, man. <laughs> and they and they won't they won't contribute. Yeah. I, I even know I even know people that have kids sitting playing video games while they have to hire someone else to cut their lawn. Oh no! And, yeah, and, and, and this is and this is what's going on is we're getting and it's the dependency agenda where the kids aren't going to be able to they have learned nothing and all they want to do is stay in the womb and that's what the U.S. government and Canadian government they're saying come on into this artificial womb and we all know it's a massive trap for the entire society where the government is going to give you 
they'll say, don't worry about it. Just put this government tit in your mouth and have a big suck. And, and the, the milk is poison. This is the problem. You know, keeping in mind that there's an old saying that none are more enslaved than those who falsely believe themselves to be free. So I think that even people that don't think this applies to them, it, it generally does. This stuff's powerful. So how can people defend themselves from media, from government, from all of these tactics that are designed to basically invade their mind and control them? They're, you have to when someone uses a weapon against a weapon against you. You, maybe you don't have to attack back, but you do have to defend yourself. Yeah, well, the, the first thing to understand is that the people in power have done away with attacking you with the weapons that you expect. And they've also littered the cinema with repetitive content where you're going to expect China or North Korea to roll in. You know, I don't, what was that movie with Patrick Swayze, Red Dawn? Um, people are ready with their guns and they're ready with, but they don't understand the weapon of choice for this particular invasion has been the TV. So the TV is a bona fide documented military grade weapon that has the ability to implant ideas into your head and it's very effective at getting you to kill yourself. This is why it's the best military weapon ever derived, because if you see repetitive content of, and I'll go back, coffee, alcohol, narcotics, all the Scarface movies weren't there to entertain you. They, they were there to entrain you so that you would always have the takeout and all the poisons. And so this sort of repetitive behavior modification through the subconscious mind pathway where you have no choice. You will mimic. It will be like the Cosby show, like Gone in 60 Seconds, even with the show Queen's Gamut that was on Netflix about, it's still on Netflix, but it was just released about six months ago. I mean, chess sales went up about 2,000% on Amazon. You will copy and mimic and emulate and mirror everything you see. And the... The people who used to do this, who honed this technology, were from an ancient country uh, where we now call Azerbaijan or Iran. Guess what the name of the country was 2,000 years ago? It was called Media. I, I kid you not. <laughs> it was called Media. And there, what they sold, they had figured out that humans copy, mimic, and emulate as a natural defensive function. And they also uh, realized that this emulating and mimicking function could be upregulated through the use of the, the, the Blue Nile lily and all the other psychoactive substances of the time. And they would sell this technology to rulers, and that's why every town had a every city had a town square because this is where the repetitive content was shoveled into the minds of the of the collective. And then it became the Shakespearean plays, and then it became the weaponized the military weapon that's in your living room and in your town at the cinema. You can notice that cinema starts with sin, S-I-N, not C-I-N. And this is what people, if you want to defend yourself from and, you know, figure this out and defend yourself from the mind control, just know it's based on repetitive content. You have a vampire that you've invited in past the threshold of your house. That is the TV. And every time you watch Netflix, you will notice fear-based uh, fear, death, uh, terror, and panic so that you're easily suggestible in hypnosis. If you're in a highly emotional state, you're what's called suggestive. 
And it's also been proven if you want to go watch a documentary free on Netflix and free on Vimeo, uh, sorry, free on Vimeo and YouTube, not Netflix, called Pseudoology, the Art of Lying, you will see that the TV is a military weapon designed to really help the people who used to attack with guns. But they said, you know what? I don't really enjoy the the investigation after the war is over. I, I don't really like the Nuremberg-style investigations where people hang. I don't like that. So let's get a technology where we can bypass our legal mind control structure that we kind of still like to stay in place. We'll use the TV and we'll get the people to go kill themselves. Yeah. And this is what's going on is that the TV has been programming the destruction of North America through fast food, coffee, booze, narcotics, the medical system. And that's why Doogie Hauser, MD, ER, Grey's Anatomy, and everybody is repetitively programmed to think that doctors can save you. Doctors can't save you. <laughs> well, everybody's repetitively programmed on the medical thing to think that doctors are actually out there doing anything they can within, you know, any level of their ability to, 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 to save a patient. Like, that, you know, if you look at, like, House, like, where they have this whole team working on figuring out this one person, this one thing. And if you look at, like, the, the, the whole COVID thing, which was totally overblown as a threat, of course, but there are, for people that it does hit hard, there are valid treatments that have been suppressed. And yet people will go back to watching these medical dramas and think that that's how doctors really work. And this should have shown anybody paying a modicum of attention that doctors are just cogs in a machine, too, that they don't have the ability to independently think and to make their own decisions. Because, you know, and, and even where they do, when you don't want them to, you don't have to let them. So what I mean by that is I have some friends that are doctors, and they prescribe medication off-label every day. Somebody comes in, they have a problem, they're not really sure what it is, but they know they're having a problem breathing. And so they give them something that will help them breathe, like an uh, inhaled cortical steroid. May or may not be a good idea, but they do it. So a doctor comes out and says, hey, you know, when you have a patient that can't breathe, we've been using this thing forever, and if you give it to them, it helps them breathe. And the guys attack and threaten with losing his medical license. And that's because if you don't – I honestly think at this point, if you don't believe – that, that you have an open, not a hidden, but an open conspiracy to suppress any legitimate treatment for COVID-19 or whatever the hell it is, then you don't want to accept reality because it's, it's not even concealed. It's not even hidden, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's why they call it a delusion or a psychosis in psychology because a psychosis or a delusion is about a person having a belief system that ignores any evidence to the contrary. Mm. And that's what you see with this particular agenda. And, of course, doctors are, are great in acute care emergencies. But if someone does come in with uh, trouble breathing, they might have asthma. But asthma is usually a fungal infection of the lung tissue that's fed through uh, yeast and bread or yeast and beer. And the, the doctors are not uh, taught to review the cupboards or the, you know, the fridge of, of the patient. So you can see that there's, there's flaws. The whole system, uh, the doctors included, are in this system. It's a dependency system it, it, because it would be better for that person to stop coming in and to take care of their health 
independently. Like, for example, anemia, which is low iron. Uh, coffee block, caffeine blocks iron. If you have low iron, low iron in the blood, caffeine is the number one cause in almost every situation because caffeine blocks the absorption of iron. So people are in there getting iron shots, uh, and it's, it's synthetic iron that makes them more sick. So why, why not make them independent and be able to control their own health at all times is because we live in this dependency circle where all our powers siphon to the top of this corrupt ruling pyramid by making us infantilized, which means we're always in the position of dependent children. So every, every sort of major licensed uh, institution is involved. Like license just makes, makes sense. It means makes sense out of the lie. It means you have a shock collar around your neck at all times. And if you don't live out the lie, you get the shock sent down the wire. Agree. Uh, I agree with that. Definitely. And that's, I think that's the goal of government is to license everything so that everything's controlled and regulated. Like, I said this in jest years ago that they literally want it to the point where if you want to dig a hole to plant a tree in your yard, they want you to have to get a permit for it. And somebody emailed me and said, we already have that. It's called an earth disturbance permit. And he was like, no one does it, but it, it's you're supposed to. And I think that is the goal is to literally license permit control every aspect of human behavior. And if you think about the the way that government behaves like a biological organism. So a biological organism will naturally occupy every niche that it can and grow to its maximum potential size, even to its own detriment, if there's no check against it. Government is simply behaving the way that you should expect something like government to behave. Since I want more power as a bureaucrat. If I'm not going to become a senator or something, my department needs to do more things. The way you measure my authority and how much I'm worth is by how many people are underneath me and how many things I oversee. So you have this, this multi-headed monster that is the state and all its permutations. I don't care if it's, you know, a town of 500 people with a town council. I don't care if it's a federal government. It's going to do this. It's going to self-replicate and it's going to invade. That's what it does, and all of the things we're talking about today are just logical tools by which it can do that. And I think it's to the point where many of the people that are actively engaged in it don't even know what they're doing. It's just a tool. I mean, if you put a stick in front of a monkey and there's termites in a, in a, in a hill, it'll figure out, I hey, put the stick in there and the termites get on it. It doesn't necessarily really know what it's doing, though it probably does know more what it's doing than most bureaucrats do. Well, th this is this is the big problem: is that the ants will try to get away from the stick. Imagine huh. a monkey that can hypnotize the ants to get on the stick without putting it in the hole. Yeah, yeah. That that's the situation we have because the people we're dealing with are using documented and bona fide mind control and behavior modification techniques homed out of places like MIT, Stanford, the Tavistock Institute. And they can make humans get on the stick and willingly open their door, drive a couple miles, stand six feet apart, and inject themselves with something that has absolutely zero benefit for them. And th then, of course, when all uh, hell breaks loose, the people, again, you're, you get to legally sidestep any criminal repercussions because no one goes to jail when you kill yourself. 
And so you can imagine, yeah, the government's acting like a biological entity, but imagine that entity more like a magician that can literally make people like a Pied Piper follow it anywhere it wants to go because that Pied Piper sent the, the public through 12 years of brainwashing indoctrination camp that we call government school and didn't tell them how their how their beliefs and behaviors are actually manufactured outside their conscious awareness that because everything about government right now is being weaponized against people who are uninformed and purposely chemically dumbed down to make this a lot easier gotcha so this is powerful shit and one of one of your thesis seems to be that we can turn this around. We can say, well, what would be the constructive, proactive, good things in my life that would be behaviorally driven and thought driven, which is pretty much everything. Uh, and here's the things I should be doing. Can we use these same tactics on ourselves proactively to cause ourselves to develop habits to become simple behaviors in our life? That's absolutely, that, that's what I do for a living is there's only one way to hack the subconscious. They're hacking it very nefariously in very dark ways. We can, if we know how it works and the, the blueprint for the subconscious is pretty simple. It looks like a kid drew it. <laughs> it's got one road in and one road out. It only reacts to repetition. The more repetitive the imprint, belief system or, or idea or symbol, the more it upranks inside this, uh, just picture a, a server at a restaurant having a pen and a pad of paper and the server writing down what you want to eat. Now, picture the subconscious mind writing the repetitive imprints or symbols or pictures on the, on the pad of paper. Whatever's the most repetitive will get to the top of the pad. Whatever's at the top of the pad gets forced into your neurological behavior system for you to act out outside your conscious awareness. So if you want to become wealthy or have better relationships with your spouse or partner, you want to become more independent, start a business instead of working for someone, not that there's anything wrong with any of that, right? Uh, like you were talking about earlier, but if you want to follow through on your goals, you have to understand that those goals probably won't come true simply because you've watched TV your whole life because they've always lowered the bar so that you're, you're afraid to be better. It's safer to be mediocre. Everybody loves the janitor. Uh, no one likes the CEO. And that's the, that's the themes throughout all the TV and movies that you've watched your entire life. So your, your, your fear of success or betterment will never change unless you get to the top of that pad. You have to control your own content. You have, two options in life. You control the repetitive content that builds your beliefs and behaviors, or they're going to do it. And these people, I know like the back of my hand, you do not want these people. Do not stare into the Cyclops brainwashing military weapon in your living room and think that you're going to have a great life. It's there to make sure you're poisoned and indoctrinated back into the Stone Age. So, what you need to do is control the repetitive content. It's got to be positive. And Sharpen it in the directions of your goal specifically. You want to be rich? You want to watch podcasts about being wealthy, documentaries about being wealthy, read books about being wealthy. All of a sudden, wealth is at the top of the pad. The subconscious says, hey, 
we live in a wealthy tribe and it's going to follow through on its on, on its only function which is making you fit into the wealthy tribe it doesn't want to let you down it loves you and it has the ability to change brain function so that wealth based ideas are generated instead of mediocre based ideas yeah, it, I, it can change, change brain function really easily I, I talk about this all the time and I refer to the brain as your mental computer and a computer can be incredibly powerful, and the human brain is the most powerful computer that we know of. It, it really is. Um, it can do things that, you know, if people talk about quantum computing and stuff like that, but when it comes down to being able to make independent decisions and thought and, and, and choose to act in a certain way at a certain point in time and adapt, nothing we've developed yet artificially can really match the human brain in the adaptive nature that it is. But a computer including the most powerful computer known to man, your mental computer, is only as good as the programming that goes into it. And if you're not providing the programming to that computer, then it needs to be programmed. It can't function without programming, so it will take whatever information is available and it will use it. That's part of what makes it so strong. That's what makes us so adaptive. That's what makes us the species that's that literally we are the only species that exists in every single part of the planet, right? We've even been able to exist off-world because we will adapt. But that makes what is a strength very, very dangerous if it's ignored. You mentioned money earlier. I have in my notes from when you did that about people, you know, destroying themselves with money. Money is power. If, if, if you have no – if, if lightsabers from Star Wars were real – and you had no idea what a lightsaber was, and I just walked up and handed you one, you just might push the button when it's pointed at you, and you'll kill yourself, right? Like, because it's power that you don't understand. People that come into money that don't understand these things we're talking about today inevitably destroy themselves. And, and people talk about, like, people winning a lottery or, you know, sports stars becoming really wealthy really fast and how it damages them. And it's true but I don't think it's because they won the lottery or because they're a sports star. If they had come across the money in a way that we, we think of as society as more legitimate and yet at the same time not understood these principles, there's plenty of entrepreneurs who have killed themselves. right? There's plenty of people that worked really hard for their success that have killed themselves because they don't understand that power, if that makes sense. Yeah, most uh, most rock stars or basketball, I mean 35% of NBA Basketball players are bankrupt regardless of income or contract five years after they stop playing. It's usually because they feel threatened because they're not – that's not the repetitive program that's running inside the subconscious. They're usually from um, poor – uh, neighborhoods and poor families where basically the survival mechanism of the subconscious says, hey, we're not from a rich tribe. We're not going to be accepted in the tribal circle because we're different. Get rid of the money and then go back. We see that with Aaron Hernandez. We see it with Josh Hamilton. We see it with Vin Baker. Uh, people that haven't the repetitive, they've never reprogrammed to feel safe with the money. Having money is the complete opposite of the tribal circle, and the subconscious will, will make sure you get rid of it so that you can go back and be accepted where, where you're safe. That's why people get rid of the money all the time. So it's important that people reprogram. Hypnosis is very important. They can go to a website, uh, marissapeer.com. You can get some great, powerful hypnotherapy tracks to 
reprogram you and, and, and get the positive content to the top of the list so it can get to into the script. But do not water down your reprogramming. Like if you have all positive content, you can't sit down and watch Dirty Grandpa or Bad Moms or Shameless or you can't watch uh, Thanos kill his daughter Gamora in uh, Avengers Affinity Wars. You can't let the negative content in because it's made by people who are masters of psychological manipulation. Every second is a manipulation to disempower you. So I, I think it's... I think as you get more and more into the place you need to be, you don't have to worry about it as much because you just don't find interest in it. A lot of the stuff you're talking about, like I've heard of it referenced and all, and but I have no heavy frame of reference because I've never seen these things. And it's not because I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch that. It's like I have no interest in this. Right. I have no interest in you know superhero movies. I don't talk bad about people that do or anything, but I just – I, I my – kind of my thesis is that we're all we're all born and we all die they'll throw us in the ground someday or they'll burn us or whatever they do with this 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 vehicle that we travel through life in and somewhere someplace there'll be our name and there'll be a couple dates and in between those two dates there'll be a dash that dash is you you are that dash and that dash is also a measure of your time and that dash is finite at least in this life cycle, right? That life, that dash is finite. It burns. And it is burning every day. Your life force is literally leaving you every day. You are going, we are mortal. And I think that's a gift in a, in a, in a lot of ways. But it also is a responsibility. And so every moment that I'm spending doing something that doesn't really benefit me or somebody else, I'm miserable. And you had talked about like when I was taking money as a consultant before and it being an ethical thing. It was an ethical thing, but it was also more of, I'm wasting my effing time. I give a shit more about the, the success of these people than they do. And they will never care as much as I do. So why am I putting my effort here? And I think that's like the natural accumulation of this type of thinking, that you start being very careful and very measured with how you spend your time. And you realize, even if it looks like you're doing nothing, you know, if you're sitting in the middle of the woods watching a squirrel, you know, and just thinking about how amazing it is that that squirrel was born basically knowing how to be a squirrel, that that time is actually better spent than doing something, even if it was something that made you money, if it's not actually productive. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> that was a great, that was, I really like that uh, cemetery tombstone analogy. That was great. So on another note here, um, can you talk about some real-life brainwashing examples to help people understand how easy this is? Because I know a lot of people listen to this and they go, this doesn't apply to me anymore. I got this. And I, I watch these people fall into control. Like, to me, one of the examples of this is, and I have no love for these people, but, uh, for instance, Colin Kaepernick with kneeling during the National Anthem. I don't give two shits. This guy hasn't taken a snap in something like five and a half years. And, it, it, you know, and with my business, social media is part of it because I have to promote my business. Also, you see what people are posting. And I see this guy. I saw this guy's picture today, Jinda. I'm like, this this guy has has nothing to do with, with the NFL or sports or whatever anymore. Like, and you're still reaching back to be outraged, right? Like, this is like you've made this important to you. And that's a little one. But I just think of how strong that actually is that a person will actually – Seek the past to be outraged in the present. 
Well, I mean, that's a good brainwashing example right there, because don't forget that anybody with a heightened emotional state is easier to brainwash. Mm. So, I mean, brainwash is just based on repetition. You could, I mean, you've you've ever heard someone say uh, vaccines are safe and effective. And how many times have you heard that? But how many how many people have actually researched past the phrase? Well, they don't. They don't, and that's that's why they call this thing that they're doing right now a vaccine. It's not even a vaccine. Yeah, and that's that's exactly why. I mean, they wanted to piggyback upon the vaccine laws that made vaccine manufacturers in the U.S. Um, not liable for any death or injury, of course. But he, brainwashing, I mean, in even uh, cults and in, in mind control cults or different cults, they would even there's certain research that says the best way to start a cult is to pick a very small piece of clothing that only the cult members wear. So I'm not too sure <laughs> if people people could clue into what I'm alluding to there. And in in the, there's a great book by Dr. Juiced Merlu. Uh, he's done a great book on brainwashing, and he he said when the the tyrant wants to take full control. He creates a, a problem himself, and then he handcrafts the solution. But the solution has to be a ritual or ceremony or custom that even the weakest man can can follow through with in order that he feels like he, he has achieved greatness. And then by that ritual, the person will voluntarily walk into the iron grip of the tyrant. And the ritual or custom today that we're getting this psychological manipulation driven into us by uh, the ceremony by which the big problem can be solved is stand six feet apart, wear a mask, stay home, save lives, take the new medicine. So these are documented, what's called menticide as well. It's It's a... It's a word invented by Dr. Juice Merlou about you lose independent control of your mind. And this is this is what's going on is these techniques are documented. The repetition, of course, is the primary driver of brainwashing and mind control. Uh, three word phrases are, are specific to the subconscious. The subconscious seems to like three word phrases like um What's McDonald's just loving it or, uh, yeah. or <laughs> I'm loving yeah. it. Yeah, and then I, I guess. Just, but yeah, I get what you're saying. It's, a, it, it's, it's what as a marketer, what you always strive for is something that will become um, associated with your brand in a positive way where the person will, if it's a food, see it, smell it, want to touch it. Um, probably the master of all of this is a firm that's out of the UK called Satsi and Satsi. And they believe that the, the, when you've mastered branding, you can take that down to a single word. And they call it a love word. That this word becomes synonymous with your brand, and when somebody hears the word, even in common language, in your mind, the brand comes. And sometimes that's done through masterful marketing. Sometimes the market assigns that to you, and then you don't fight it. For instance, you know, Volvos really aren't that much safer than any other modern automobile, but when you hear Volvo, you think safety. And that's become that love word. And that is so amazingly powerful 
And, you know, I have to admit, as a marketer, I used it in a very malicious way because that's what I was paid to do. And that's I was trying to be the best marketer that I could. And much like my wife has a very negative opinion of vaccines after spending 20 odd years as a nurse and then leaving today, I didn't have a very negative opinion of that back when I was doing it because you're so inside the thing, you can't see the thing that you're actually part of. Yeah, and I'll give you another example. Red, the colors red and blue okay. uh, have been picked up by the subconscious mind because it's downloading at that 11 million bits of data a second your entire life. Sure. And it's noticed something that you don't notice consciously, that every uh, corporation of power or political party or government agency is either red or blue. And this is something consciously you never notice that the adversarial colors are always red and blue. So when you color your ad or your message in red and blue, it's being shown to inflict this message in the subconscious means stop, obey, comply. Ford is blue. Chevy is red. The Red Sox are red. The Yankees are blue. In Canada, the Maple Leafs are blue and the Montreal Canadiens are red. Up here, the liberals are red and the conservatives are blue. You have your own red and blue uh, adversarial um, situation down there. And even Manchester United is red and Manchester City is blue. The soccer, professional soccer teams in the same town. Even the police siren is red and blue for these reasons. And there's a brainwashing technique because you've never thought about it. Most people listening to this have never thought why the colors that rule and dominate our behavior are red and blue. This is actually really scientific. There was a, a company I, I worked for a very, very long time ago called Fluke, Net, Fluke Networks. And the color uh, scheme of that uh, entity is blue and gold. And they actually commissioned a really expensive study, and it determined that blue and gold were, in the mind of the consumer, highly trustworthy. And you wouldn't think that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But, like, this wasn't just some crap they pulled out of their, their back end. They actually had, you know, done focus groups and stuff, and that they had determined that they could create an illusion of trust in the mind of a person with nothing other than a color code, that they could make someone more value a thing. And I just think that sounds like a police uniform to me. Yeah. Blue uniform, gold badge, right? Right. And that's how the subconscious mind works. It identifies patterns and then generates a behavioral response to it's a Pavlovian response. Mm. Even, even the words can be loaded. I mean, if there was a ruler that wanted to program the people to be more warlike, they would use the word kill in a lot of words. Like about 40 years ago here in Canada and all throughout the Commonwealth nations, the queen decided to stop using the uh, gallon and the inch and the mile and started using kilometers and which is kilometers mm. and kilowatts mm. and uh, kilograms. Kill, kill, kill. That's all the subconscious hears is the repetition of kill. You can load the language in a way where you're thinking that this is a measuring device and all your all you're hearing subconsciously is the word kill to make a more warlike, terrorized, criminalized society. And that's where we've gone since because the people who rule us aren't who we think they are. Well, how, how would you respond to it and say, come on, they, they adopted the metric system like the rest of the world. 
Like, yeah, that just happens to be what it's called, right? Like, and, and there's, you know, there's decimeters and milliliters and, like, there's all these other words in there. Like, are you going over hypersensitive with pattern recognition? Because we can do that as well. Well, you, I tell people what I'll do for this podcast, I'll send people a list of 20 documentaries on mind control. Okay. So that they can pick a couple and watch themselves to understand that this engineered demolition of the great North American empire has been long in the planning. I agree with that. I'm just wondering, like, can we go too far with that? Because what that would infer is the person that came up with the, with the metric system in the first place called it kilometer so that it would include the word kill. They would have to be directed by the queen. And if you knew who the queen really was, it would come as no shock to you whatsoever. All right. I, I'm going to let that go because I don't really know the origins of the metric system. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, so that, that would be a place where I would, I would be just spitballing. And I don't yeah, try, they, I try they not they to only, do that. They only, uh, they only force that into the Commonwealth nations, which, of course, the royal family all still own to this very day. Oh, I, I totally agree with that, uh, 100%. Um, so how far back does this go then? You said this is a very long process goes back into our ancient past. And then is it all connected or is it just like, I mean, I kind of look at it like you can see this play out in any group dynamic. The sociopaths, the psychopaths use these techniques. So is this just something that is natural for power-hungry people to use? Uh, is it something that is always coordinated or is it just both? I think we to answer that question, we need to look at all this sort of how old this is, and we can go back to media for that. But we can go back to human sacrifices in the in the Central America with the Aztec, the Olmec, and the Molmec. You can go back and see that this sort of terrorizing, fear-based, panic, rule, ruling, governing platform has been used in many different societies, and they're all connected. Like they found cocaine inside many Egyptian mummies. Now, how did they get cocaine there when it's native to South America? Because all these pathways, all these travel routes were connected at one time. How many people know that there's about 2,000 pyramids in China? I do, what? but I don't know that most people do. I, I know that, but I know that because of Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson. Right. And that's why I know that, right, you know? And if you, this sort of technology isn't complex to control the repetitive imprints or the, you know, the visual cueing of a population to control their behavior and then to upregulate through, upregulate it through psychoactive substances like chocolate or the Blue Nile uh, lily or psilocybin, or I, I see this going back a lot farther because the, the structure of rule to me is very similar in many, many old ancient societies. Okay. I remain neutral on that one because I would actually say that I don't know a lot about the supposed Cocaine found in Egyptian mummies, the cursory look that I did has both pro and counter and some criticisms about contamination and extraction process. I think you could actually make the case that this is natural behavior of the psychopath, that it occurs in isolated societies by rulers, people that are completely disconnected from other 
societies. It doesn't necessarily have to be a structured, organized thing, that this is something that people of a certain level of desire for power and control that also have a certain level of intelligence can become aware of completely independently, much the way that many times we have these controversies in history where two people claim to have been the originator of a certain invention, and it came about the same time, and neither had any knowledge of the other. And there is a certain progression of humanity. There is a certain, uh, I believe there's a, a kind of a harmonic resonance to the universe that certain things are things that time has come. And that if, if, you know, if the person that was credited with the invention never existed, it still would have happened about the same time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I do find it curious that the human sacrifice of children, specifically virgins and uh, young, young boys, was very common, to pay, you know, and it could have spread the same way you're talking about. It you could know, have. All, now, that I think it. actually could go back to, like, we're going way off in the Randall Carlson and, and Hancock realm, right? Like, pre, pre-history, before we knew the civilizations that were destroyed, that just because these people were down in South America and these people were over here in what we think of today as Asia or Europe, doesn't mean that they don't have their traditions come from the same place, that these these memories, these traditions, both for good and evil, were handed down and made it through, you know, humanity's bottleneck, so to say, so that they come from a common place like sacrifice, because there is a, that's your dead on, there is a commonality, not just that sacrifice exists, but generally speaking, the type of person who was sacrificed, the archetype of a sacrificial person, or even in, in religions like sacrificing a lamb, not a sheep, right? Like, so that whole idea of the innocent, the young, the un, the, uh, the, the perfect as being the sacrifice is very common. It's, it's common much as the, the, the story of the flood, right? That, that is like probably the most universal ancient Memory, as I, I much prefer Carlson's term for that, that's a memory. We should stop calling them a myth or a story. We should ca- start calling them what they are. They're memories, they're human memories. So I think there could be a commonality there as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely see some similarities in the ruling for the ruling uh, pattern that we see today. There's a lot of ch- child sacrifice uh, based rituals, and I, I really wonder if it's. Um, I don't know if it's the vibrational or kind of cast off remnant memories from our ancient past, or sometimes I think it's just the same people. It may be. It like might be a common origin. Like one of the things about like these stories, I was talking about this in my episode yesterday, is that we think of our method of recording history as being very sophisticated, right? Because we write it down. Well, history then is subject to whoever did the writing. Where the ancient methods of storing a lot of these memories were in storytelling, but we don't use that word the way that it really should be used to describe what was going on. So people before the written word, and when they realized that they didn't want the future generations, they started thinking this way, to not know what happened in the past, and they created these stories to tell this down the line, the person that would tell that story, the storyteller for your village or civilization, would go through training to the point where when they repeated that story, it was verbatim. And they would not be trusted and handed off the responsibility to those that came before them had said, this person's ready. 
And then that person would begin immediately training the next generation that would tell the story. And in some ways, I think that can make, you know, we've lost it now because of these civilizations being destroyed and lost. But until that happened, that many of these ancient stories were probably as accurate or maybe more accurate than much of what was written down. Yeah, and you can see why they're trying to displace that. I mean, the only sort of quotes people know today are Seinfeld quotes or (laughs) something. Or bullshit, right? I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the tree. That shit never happened. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That shit never happened. Come on. (laughs) You can can see that, you know, we are being indoctrinated and dumbed down in a way makes us easier to rule, control, and steal from and lie to. And that's probably where people should start. I mean, I think if we're going to give anybody any solutions today, it would just be just be positive with your influences. Know that your TV is a military weapon in your movie theater. And if you are going to watch TV and movies, watch for coffee, alcohol. I mean, like I said, watch for coffee. If you want to test the theory, first 15 minutes of any movie, you're going to see a coffee cup, a coffee mug, a coffee shop, or a coffee machine on the back counter. Just look, look, how, look for the repetitive content because that's how they're brainwashing. I would also say, like, be really mindful of your thoughts. Like, I always use this one. Like, if you want to be wealthy, when you see somebody that has the shit you want, if the first thought in your mind is good for them, you're, you're probably that alone tells me you're probably going to find a way to get what you want as long as it doesn't end up violating your ethics. In fact, I would say you will find a path to it that doesn't violate your ethics. If your thought is something along the lines of must be nice, you're fucked. I mean, just bluntly, like you just thought it's not happening. Like you've formed a negative association in your mind of that eventuality. And so what you've then determined is that person must have done something wrong to obtain that level of success. And therefore you will, in your words, you self-sabotage to, to make sure you don't get there. Yeah, the brain the brainwashing for anti-wealth programming is very easy. You look at the movie like The Titanic. Uh, Jack Dawson didn't have to pay for his ticket, and he got on. And, of course, Rose is marrying this rich guy. He's a jerk. She sneaks out from the first-class cabin where they were having dinner, goes down to the third-class cabin. They're never having any more fun in their life, swinging around. It's a great time. <laughs> Even if you watch the Equalizer movies, Denzel Washington is taking out rich and wealthy people. It doesn't matter what movie you watch. I was even watching the, the one with Liam Neeson with, at the border. I can't, The Gunman, I think it was called. And he lost, you know, he lost his house uh, to repossession and he picked up some uh, Mexican citizens that were crossing the border and they had a whole book bag full of money. And then because of the, they're so moral, they burnt it one night underneath for fire, you know? Yeah. So it's all anti-money, anti-wealth, anti-ambition programming. And then they always frame poverty as a high moral ground. Virtuous, et cetera. And virtuous and noble. And that's in all movies as well. And that programs the subconscious mind to hate money. Because if I'm in the ruler position, if I can program you outside your conscious awareness to be mediocre and always racing toward the bottom, you'll never pose a threat. Well, man, I have enjoyed this. We've gone about an hour and 20 minutes. It's about a half hour over a typical interview, and we did that because this was fantastic. Um, Why don't you tell folks how they can learn more about you, get in touch with you, find out about your work, listen to your podcast, things like that? 
Yeah, well, if they just want to get on my private email list, they can email me directly at jason at freedomfromselfsabotage.com, and I'll put them on the email list, and they can get – I send out uh, what's called the Kristoff Report about four times a week, uh, giving you analysis of, you know, what kind of uh, brainwashing you're undergoing that week in our society. Okay. It's always very interesting. You can go to my Facebook page to Jason Kristoff. It's a picture of me in a chair. That's my personal page. And my website is jkristoff.com. It'll be updated soon, but uh, the update will I'll have a lot of great stuff on. I will make sure that like the links to your site and your social media and stuff like that are all in the show notes today, dude. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, it, it was it was fantastic, and I, I really mean that. And if you want to come back in the future and talk about you know, expand in some different direction or talk about a different subject or drill down into something, you know, just get back on the site, fill out a guest form. We'd be happy to have you back anytime. Okay, Jack, thanks for having me on. Well, I told you guys that was a great interview. Um, if you think Jack's audio was kind of ass in that interview, I'm sorry, guys. I am still adjusting to uh, bringing new equipment in to make, ironically, the podcast higher quality. And Skype has an aversion to my new microphone, and it keeps reverting to the uh, the on deck microphone in the MacBook that I use for conducting the interviews. So that was the on deck microphone. It probably means there was more background noise and some distortion that normally wouldn't be there, and that really blows because that is one of the best interviews I've I've done in the past year. And I don't mean this year; I mean in the past full year, all the way around. Uh, I really hope that uh, that he does come back on the show and. I will put something in place to remind me to uh, do more sound checks when I'm switching over to interview mode from live streaming mode because that's what happens. It's it's a mode shift that causes this issue, and that happened last week as well on one of the interviews. And I, I really, really hate it, and I, I'm sorry for it, guys. But I don't think it was bad enough that you couldn't hear it. Certainly better than the audio back in 2008 when we started the show and I did it in my car. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up uh, by reminding you you can help support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. I don't have an item of the day for you today, but I just wanted to remind you, you can always support us by doing what? Your online shopping at tspaz.com. I'll also let you know, um, if you don't usually catch the Miyagi Mornings videos, the one that came out today was awesome. It will, of course, be out on Friday in the audio version of the Miyagi Mornings Recap. But we did, we discussed civil unrest today, and the part that you'll hear was great. But if you're missing out on the live streams, if there's any way you can make the live streams, and they generally run somewhere between about 9.45 and noon uh, on most days, Monday through Thursday, I, I run them. And I usually run them on YouTube odyssey and float and i usually send out if you're on my telegram alert you'll get an alert if you're on social media you might see it pop up etc i uh, give a kind of advanced notice most of the time on it but one of the things that you may not know if you're only consuming the podcast is when i'm done with the podcast part i stay and i hang out for you know 15 20 minutes sometimes sometimes 10 minutes sometimes five today i stayed for like an almost extra 30 minutes and we had a great discussion, and this video is really worth checking out. And it, it is a frightening look at our potential future. And it's some solid advice on what you need to do to not be part of it any more than you have to. Because anybody cheering this on, when I see people cheering this on, and I'm not saying it's going to be civil war in the way that we normally think of it, 
But when I see people cheering this on, whether it be the left that thinks they can keep advancing their nonsense or, you know, like kind of the, the Boogaloo Boys type concept or whatever, where we'll just show them, I, I do think of the American Civil War. I think of the American Civil War and people that knew nothing of war cheering for one and thinking it would be over swiftly. Um, the problems we have today from simple supply chain disruption. Oh, oh, God, it pales in comparison. But you might want to check that out. Um, even if you listen to the podcast version, you might want to like skip ahead to the after talk. The after talk in this one was really, really one of the best. And I am enjoying doing the live streams. And I will continue to live stream some of the bodies of the podcast. I'm not quite doing it with guests yet. Uh, because we have all the guests that are booked out into September already kind of on board with the idea of using the Skype interview process and set up to do it. So unless I see somebody on that list that I think would make a particularly good video interview, I'm going to keep doing them by Skype until kind of the next cycle. On that note, if you want to put in an application to be a guest on this show, you have about till, well, today. Uh, I'm about to take the guest form down because we are booking in September, and we don't like to book out too much further than that. All right, with that, let's go ahead and also wrap things up, reminding you you can help support this show how by becoming an MSB member. If you're not an MSB member, just consider doing so. Tell you what, go by to the survivalpodcast.com, click on members, look at all the discs, all the benefits, and say, do you think I can get my money back in this? And if you do, become a member, because why wouldn't you? You support the show, you get your money back. Most people that use the discounts make a profit every year by being a member. I hear over and over things like the MSB just paid for itself again. And I'm really proud of the program that I've built there, and I invite you to learn more about it. With that, let's wrap up with the song of the day today. The song of the day today is by Uncle Lucius, and it's keeping Keep the Wolves Away. And I, I know I've played this song before, um, and I've, I've told the story behind it. Is actually this is based on a true story. This is this is based on the, the the lead singer here, his actual childhood and actual things that actually happened. And it's a story that's pr not that uncommon that that happens to people. But I also want to talk about this from a different angle this time. It really plays into the mindset that I, I, I talked about today with, with Jason Kristoff and this idea of not giving children everything that, that they possibly could want through their whole lives. And the way this song ends is actually, before I even knew I was doing this interview today, I'm like, this is how I want to talk about this song this time around. When you listen to the song, and it's even more true if you watch the video of it, what you see is a young boy have to become a man very, very quickly. You see him going from kind of an, even though they don't have a lot of money, and kind of an idealistic childhood to this very rough world, this rough reality. Dad nearly dies. Dad can't do what he used to do. And, the, and this young man has to struggle. And it, because it is a true story and it is about the guy you're listening to sing, he struggles. It, it just happens to be in the music industry, but it could have been anywhere. But if you, if you listen toward the end of the song, he says, I'm going for broke with every song I play because now it's my turn to keep the wolves away. And he's talking about his parents at this point. And you also see in the video that he's also doing a kind of a benefit concert for hurricane victims. So he's talking about giving back and taking care of his parents at the same time. And I think this is the complete opposite of what we've been conditioned to believe, that our job should be able to be to make sure that our children have it better than we do. 
I think that's almost right, but almost right is wrong. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? Like, if you're almost right, you're still wrong. And in some ways, being almost right is more dangerous. It's the concept of the clock that's off by five minutes is more dangerous to you than the clock that's off by five hours. The five-hour off clock, you look at it and go, that can't be. The five-minute or even 50-minute off clock can screw your life up. Well, I don't think we should be trying to make sure that our children have it better than we did. I think that's a mistake. I think we should be trying to make sure that our children have the opportunity to build a life better than we did for ourselves. And we don't do that by giving them things. We do that by encouraging them and by clearing the way, by clearing a path. You know, there is, there is a, a proverb in the Bible, train up a child in the way that he should go. But the actual translation from the Hebrew is to clear the way for the child in the way that he should go. And, and, and the verbiage in Hebrew is the same verb as when a midwife clears the throat of a newborn so that they can breathe, to clear their way. And if you do that, I think what you end up with, instead of worrying about caring for your child when you're old and they're in the prime of their life, you end up with a child that looks back and thinks it is my obligation to care for my parents now that I can and now that they're aging. And in the same way, lay that path for my child as well. That's how you build multi-general success in life, the exact opposite of the corruption that's being enlisted upon the American people by the people in power. With that's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Took my first breath where the muddy grasses spills into the Gulf of Mexico where the skyline's colored by chemical plants that put bread on the table of the working man where the working man does his best to provide safety and shelter for kids and a wife giving a little of a soul every day making overtime the wolves away When the company man tried to dig my daddy's grave It happened on a French-owned tanker ship Spilling poison in the Galveston Bay Well, the liquid fire filled his lungs and his eyes Silenced any more cries Cold in the green, death stinging pain He fought like hell to keep the wolves away
next few years Dad was sick as a dog But he made recovery Just to spite the odds The settlement came And we moved out of town Where the sky is in heavy With refinery flats Yeah, he's still alive He's doing good He's in his fifties But the money's running out And he's painting for pennies So I'm going for broke With every song I play Cause now it's my turn to keep the wolves away. <laughs> 